Good morning, America. This is the Daily Answer. You've got enough questions. You need some answers. I'm your host, Mark Dunnigan. This is our inaugural show. In this podcast, we're we're going to talk about a number of things from hikes through scripture, daily current events, stories from my childhood. And in the last 24 months, my wife and I have been traveling across this amazing country in a sprinter van for around 24 months and 55 or so thousand miles and 43 states. And we want to also talk about what we have seen on those travels and some applications from scripture. But today, today's podcast is Punky and the Biscuit. My dad had one sister, an older sister, by the late 60s. She was a widow. Her husband had died years before, and she lived in central Oregon overlooking the Deschutes River in a home with an unfinished basement, but with a view that was breathtaking that included snow-capped mountains of the Cascade Range from Mount Bachelor and Broken Top, the Three Sisters, Three Finger Jack, Washington, Jefferson, and even Mount Hood. She was one of the most frugal people I have ever known in life. She never drove. Her neighbors would bring her groceries or her daughter would, for which she would always pay. And in the 30 or 40 plus years that she lived on that property, I think she left it once or twice. And that was for emergency surgery. Many of the things in the house um, had been fixed with paper clips and shoestrings. And when I visited her, the belt around her pants was simply a piece of a piece of rope. She saved the rattles from rattlesnakes and scorpions that she had found and put them in canning jars. And I took one to school in a third or fourth grade and then realized afterwards uh, that it was still alive. One of the tales came from a snake that she had helped kill. On one evening, there was a commotion in the yard and uh, there was a rattlesnake out there and a rattlesnake had actually killed um, her daughter's cat. And so they they proceeded, my aunt and her daughter, to grab the 22 Winchester short that always hung above the door going out to the carport. My aunt knelt down and gave her daughter her shoulder to lean the rifle upon, held a flashlight and... My cousin proceeded to blow the head off that snake. Those are the type of women I grew up with. They were very low-maintenance women, someone would say. The type of woman that could have a baby, strap it on her back, and keep plowing the field. And then go home and cook dinner for the family. But everyone's not low-maintenance in every aspect of their lives. Um, Typically in some aspect of our life that we are high-maintenance. There was um, there was a time there that um, when I visited, the, one, one of our kids was out by the carport and moved a rock around and had found an ant nest. And my aunt proceeded to reach in with her bare hands into some sort of container that was covered and had stuff over it around the carport, pull out some white powder and throw it on the ant nest. And I said, well, what's that? And she said, DDT. Oh, well, I mean, she lived to be 98 years old, and she said, you know, maybe, Mark, I would have lived longer if I hadn't eaten so many hot dogs, which she loved. And there was an open jar of peanut butter, a large jar with a spoon in it, 
by her bed, by on her nightstand, from which she indulged every night. She also had a box turtle by the name of Snoopy. And Snoopy would disappear for months at a time in the house. And so she glued a little orange cowboy hat on top of his shell so that she could find him. I have a lot of memories of my interactions with her. Cindy and I, my wife and I, had been um, sleeping in one of her bedrooms when we had visited. And there was a period of time when I would visit her with my mom and dad. Maybe that lasted about 10 years from the mid-60s to the early 70s. And then there was a period of time I really didn't see her. After I got married and the kids were old enough where we could we could travel, like where the youngest one was around five, we started visiting her again, I would say probably in the mid-90s up until the early 2000s. Well, we'd been sleeping in this bedroom, and uh, as good guests, we took the sheets off the bed. You know, as we left, we kind of help her get things going, put them in the washing machine. And we observed that there was a very large stain on this mattress uh, upon which we'd been sleeping. And I asked her, like, what was that? What happened there? And she calmly informed me that years ago, uh, there was a motel in Sisters, Oregon, one of the guests there had proceeded to commit suicide in the room with a shotgun and which I think is probably pretty effective, but I would not recommend suicide because it's a horrible way to introduce yourself to God because that's the first person you meet after you commit suicide and it leaves a big mess for everybody else who is left. Well, the owner of the motel was going to throw out the mattress and somehow my aunt found out about it and swooped in and grabbed that mattress and hosed it off, <laughs> you know, like put it in the driveway and hosed it off and then let it dry out in the dry, bone dry, clean Central Oregon sun. And there you go. Now, it wasn't long after that, I think, that my wife informed me that, you know, these trips to your aunt's house, they should probably just be for you and the kids. And so after that, me and the kids would simply visit. In our family, in the family lore, which every family has, this became known as their murder mattress. When I would go there, uh, sometimes my mom would go, and there, were a, there was a period of time after my dad died and my mom had not remarried. There was a good number of years there. And so my mom would go with me and the kids, and she, she would bring everything necessary for the meals, and my aunt would never eat with us. She would wait until we were almost done, and then what was brought back into the kitchen on the plates, she would pick she would pick the food off those plates that the people had not consumed and create her own plate, and that's the way she wanted to eat. Uh, she was from the Depression era, and she could not see, she just could not allow anything to be thrown away. Once she had a half gallon of milk in the fridge that she said, Mark, I've had this half gallon of milk for a couple of months and it hasn't gone bad yet. And I, I, I hate, I hate the, I just don't like when people say, Hey, uh, you know, um, would you check that milk and see if it's still good? Well, it means you got to sniff it, you know, <laughs> and, and invariably sometimes it's gone bad and then you're choking and gagging and things like that. But I gave it a, I gave it a whiff and said, uh, uh, it's not good anymore. And and we went around for about five minutes arguing about whether the milk was good or not. And finally, I gave up. Finally, I just gave up. When we left, I mean, when, you know, when we'd spent our time there and left, 
she would not watch us leave uh, because she said it was just too painful, too painful to watch us leave. When all my people were still alive, mom, dad, and, you know, just aunts, uncles, and et cetera, I often remember sleeping down in her basement. We would often visit in the summertime, and the summer would be dry and hot, and her house, the upstairs, would just radiate with heat at, in the evening, and all the smells of the original construction of the house would come out. The glue and the type of wood used and you name it, that the house just radiated with heat. But downstairs, it was at least 20 to 30 degrees cooler. And you can, after checking for snakes and scorpions, you could crawl into your sleeping bag and have a good, comfortable night's sleep and be nice and cozy. But even on on vacation, my dad would, he would invariably get up at five o'clock in the morning. And so around that time, I would start hearing some footsteps and mumbled voices of people upstairs and maybe a whiff of coffee that would come downstairs. And usually usually about seven o'clock, there would be some sort of outburst of laughter. And that would be my cue to start heading upstairs. My cousin my aunt's daughter is about 10 years older than myself. And she said, Mark, and that's when the best conversations took place in those early morning hours. And I should have got up sooner for upstairs until, I don't know, late 1960 or maybe 1969. My dad's mom was still alive and she, she would live to be 98 and her parents came directly from England. She was born in Alvin, Texas. And then as a child came to Oregon in a covered wagon pulled by oxen. She was around six years old when Custer and his men died at the Battle of the Little Bighorn. She'd seen the advent of the telephone, movies, television, indoor plumbing, electricity, the automobile, airplanes, two world wars, and lived long enough to see a man walk on the moon. Well, how do you take all that in in one lifetime? She had stories, and I missed them. So do not be in a hurry to leave. Do not be in a hurry to leave a social event. Uh, do not be in a hurry to leave like a gathering somewhere. Do not be in a hurry to leave an assembly of the church. Like, okay, we, we had the Lord's Supper. We heard the sermon. Time to get out and go and tackle the rest of the day. No, because you're going to miss the best stories. Linger. Please linger and accept lunch invitations. And hey, this is what we're gonna go afterwards. Do not miss the best conversations in life. She died when I was around 10 years old and I should have spent more time with her and asked her a lot of questions. You know, I was busy and she was tired. Uh, She really never encouraged me to come up and sit in her lap, but hey, that's fair because she already had 40 years of grandkids before I was even born. Mom would tell me that I was just too busy and noisy for her. Now, for some reason, many members of our family and extended family did not go by their given names. There was a generation that seemed to kind of like be into a lot of nicknames. Uh, My dad would call his sister Bridget and she called him Bug, I think because she was about eight years older than he was. And so when he was born and he was in the crib, she peered in and said, he looks like a cute little bug. And that stuck. My mom, she was called Betty, but that was not her legal name. And she had a sister whose name was Squeak. And I think obviously that was not her legal name. And then 
and then there was Punky, and I never quite figured out where Punky fit into the family relations. Uh, it was it was not on my dad's side or my aunt's side. It must have been some relative of my aunt's brother, um, or excuse me, husband or brothers or something like that. There had to be some connections there. But but Punky was pure Central Oregon, and Punky was tall and lean and had freckles and curly bright hair and a huge personality, and she loved horses. She did have two boys, of course, and a husband, but they pretty much had to fend for themselves. She was not domestic, and her world was her world horses the crowd and the outside. Now, my aunt could make two things that even with her handwritten recipes that were left after she died, nobody could recreate. No one could make it the way she could make it. And not even my mom, who was an excellent cook. And one of the recipes was a, a dill pickle that came in a cloudy brine, mustard pickles. And in this brine was a lot of that high a lot of that dry hot mustard that came in the yellow can the other the other recipe was well some people would call them biscuits but to me a biscuit is kind of hard on top like what you get at kfc um, you know a little bit of a crunch on top um i think these were more dinner rolls because well even though at the loveless cafe in nashville outside of nashville tennessee their biscuit quote-unquote biscuit was soft and like a dinner roll and you could you know i could eat a whole lot of them so i would call these dinner rolls and my mom and my aunt were in the kitchen rolling you know these white pristine balls of dough and sending them sending them out in the pan getting ready to, to cook a bat, batch of dinner rolls for or breakfast or dinner and punky comes in punky comes in from outside uh, proceeds to walk up, join the conversation, grabs a, you know, a wad of dole and proceeds to roll it without washing her hands first. And then sets down that round ball of dough into the pan. <laughs> and, and I think it might have been hers was the last one set in. And in this pan of perfectly white, round balls of dough, there is one gray ball of dough. And my mom loudly, and I think <laughs> very, very perturbed, um, loudly and strongly said and pointed, I think, to the gray one and said, that one's yours. And I will always remember that. It reminds me of the verse that says, what a man sows, that he will also reap. Galatians 6, about verse 7. I agree with that. You get the pizza you order in life if you choose to roll a gray ball of dough then that's your biscuit. It also reminds me that outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are just bound in life to roll a lot of gray balls of dough. And sadly, a lot of people think they're not going to have to eat that one, that that's not going to be their biscuit, that they're actually going to get a better biscuit. Maybe that might be the theme for me this year. Maybe that should be your theme when talking to people that we really love and they're not right with God, and they're causing a lot of chaos in life to walk up to them and say, hey, I just got a question. For the rest of your life, are you going to roll a lot of gray bolts of dough or what? Abraham Lincoln said that the face we have at 40 is the face we created. And what he meant by that is that 
by 40. I mean, by 40, typically you've been away from mom and dad out of the house for at least 20 years. You can no longer blame your parents or the culture for your attitude or in, in uh, idiosyncrasies, your ways, your habits, your policies, your disposition, etc. That is yours. You've been away from them for a good 20 years. At 40, the person you are is all on you. Or as my mom noted, that one is yours. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers.